Welcome to episode 73 of George's Random Astronomical Object. Every episode, I run a random number generator to select random astronomical coordinates in the sky, and I then search for an astronomical object near those coordinates and talk about what makes the object so interesting to astronomers. So let's now run the random number generator. Three. The coordinates from the generator for this episode are 10 hours, 24 minutes, 34.5 seconds for ascension, and plus 47 degrees, 9 minutes, 11 seconds declination. These coordinates point to a galaxy in the constellation Ursa Major called IRAS 10214 plus 4724. This is yet another one of those objects with a name that includes the object's coordinates. And in this situation, the coordinates are from an older, out-of-use coordinate system. The acronym IRAS, or IRAS, is the name of the telescope that found the object. The letters stand for the Infrared Astronomical Satellite. I'm just going to call this IRAS 10214 for short for the rest of this episode. As I just indicated, the galaxy IRAS 10214 was discovered by the IRAS satellite which was a telescope launched into space in 1983 that made observations of the entire sky at far-infrared wavelengths. This telescope was groundbreaking because the infrared astronomical observations that had been performed previously had been of just a very few, very specific locations in the sky. IRAS's observations of the entire sky in the infrared led astronomers to discover that relatively ordinary-looking stars and galaxies were actually really strong infrared sources, and the telescope's all-sky maps also found new infrared bright objects that had not previously been seen at visible wavelengths. However, the telescope made images that were blurrier than what the human eye can see in the visible part of the electromagnetic spectrum. So, a lot of things like smaller nebulae, disks of dust-orbiting stars, and most galaxies look like infrared smudges. Nonetheless, astronomers learned a lot from this telescope. Researchers working with the IRAS satellite discovered that a lot of galaxies produced a lot of infrared radiation, including the galaxy IRAS 10214. Some of those objects were nearby galaxies that were producing relatively normal amounts of infrared light, but that looked bright in the infrared just because they were close. Other objects were more distant galaxies that were producing much more infrared radiation, so even though they were located relatively far away, they still look similar in infrared brightness to nearby galaxies as seen from Earth. You can think of this as similar to comparing an ordinary light bulb located at arm's length to a set of stadium lights located much further away. Both could look the same brightness, but the stadium lights are clearly producing more photons. Infrared radiation in space mainly comes from interstellar dust that absorbs ultraviolet and visible light and re-radiates that energy as infrared light. While interstellar dust is found throughout both our galaxy and other galaxies, it tends to be denser in the nebulae where stars are forming. 
These regions also contain lots of hot blue stars that produce huge amounts of ultraviolet and visible light that heat up the interstellar dust, which makes these locations where stars are forming very bright at infrared wavelengths. Given this, we can say that nearby galaxies that are producing normal levels of infrared radiation are forming stars at relatively normal rates, while the more distant galaxies that produce larger amounts of infrared radiation are forming abnormally large numbers of stars. Additionally, many of these infrared bright galaxies contain active galactic nuclei, or AGN. An AGN contains a supermassive black hole millions or billions of times the mass of the Sun that is surrounded by a disk of infalling gas. As that material falls into the black hole, it gets gravitationally compressed and really hot, and it produces a broad range of electromagnetic radiation. A lot of this radiation gets absorbed by interstellar dust near the AGN. The standard models typically depict dust as lying within a thick ring around a thin disk of hot infalling gas. The energy absorbed by the dust is re-radiated as infrared radiation, and it looks like such AGN may be responsible for producing large fractions of the infrared light emitted by many infrared bright distant galaxies. These infrared bright galaxies that are either forming extreme numbers of stars or contain these AGN are commonly referred to as either luminous or ultraluminous infrared galaxies, depending on how bright they are. Ever since their discovery by the IRAS satellite, they have attracted a lot of attention from astronomers. However, the most extreme of the objects discovered by the IRAS satellite was the galaxy IRAS 10214. This was the most distant object seen by the IRAS satellite, which also means that the galaxy has the interesting distinction of being the most distant far-infrared source that anyone knew about in the 1980s. Astronomers have determined that the light traveled about 10.8 billion years from the galaxy IRAS 10214 to reach the Earth. For the IRAS satellite to have been able to see this galaxy, it had to be producing around several times more infrared radiation than a typical ultraluminous infrared galaxy. It actually turned out to be in a new category of galaxies, so it was called a hyperluminous infrared galaxy. Imagine an already abnormal ultraluminous infrared galaxy that contains both a supermassive black hole and that is forming lots of stars. Now, Imagine that that galaxy consumed a six-pack of galaxy-sized energy drinks, and that is an apt description of IRAS 10214. One of the main reasons why IRAS 10214 can be so easily seen from so far away is because its light has been gravitationally lensed. Using Hubble Space Telescope observations from 1994, Peter Eisenhardt and his collaborators demonstrate that another galaxy sits between Earth and IRAS 10214, and the gravitational forces from this closer galaxy have bent or lensed the light, including the infrared light, from IRAS 10214 towards the Earth, thus making IRAS 10214 look abnormally bright. The light from IRAS 10214 also looks rather distorted in these Hubble Space Telescope images. The nearby galaxy that is bending the light from IRAS 10214 looks like a roughly circular object, while the light from IRAS 10214 itself appears in two different places on either side of the closer galaxy. On one side, the light from IRAS 10214 looks like a dot, while on the other side, it looks like an arc, 
you could imagine IRS 10214 looking like a smiling cyclops, with a nearby galaxy forming the nose of the cyclops. While IRAS 10214 was a rather special discovery in the 1980s, astronomers have since discovered many more very distant infrared bright galaxies that have been gravitationally lensed by nearby galaxies. I myself am even writing a science paper on these types of galaxies right now. Well, not while I'm recording this, but you know what I mean. These objects are great for many reasons, but I will highlight two of the major reasons why astronomers like looking at these objects. First, the gravitational lensing, while distorting the appearance of the more distant galaxies, allows astronomers to actually detect objects that they would otherwise normally not be able to see. Second, astronomers can use models of the lensing to determine how matter is distributed within the closer galaxies, and this is an excellent way to search for dark matter. Gravitational lenses also just plainly look cool. So, the next time you hear about astronomers discussing why they are so excited to see a gravitationally lensed galaxy, you hopefully understand why these things are just so interesting. So that wraps up my discussion of IRAS 10214 and the location on the Earth's surface corresponding to the position of IRAS 10214 in the sky is an area near the Kuro-Kamchatka Trench in the Pacific Ocean. This is a location where the Pacific tectonic plate is being pushed underneath Asia. However, the specific plate that the Pacific plate is going under is not the very large Eurasian plate, but instead the much smaller Okhotsk plate, which is a triangular plate that includes most of the Sea of Okhotsk and the peninsula of Kamchatka. This subduction process causes melting in the Earth's mantle, and this melted rock has risen back to the Earth's surface to form the Kuril Islands. I could go on about this, but this is not a geology podcast. Moving on to other things, I received some random feedback before recording this episode. And this feedback is more random than usual. Matthias Schmidt wrote in on April 28, 2022 to say the following. Hi, George. I enjoy your podcast. In last Tuesday's episode, you talked about the CMB, that's the Cosmic Microwave Background, and you mentioned that the ionization temperature for hydrogen is 300,000 Kelvin, and it dropped to this level at 3.8 million years after the Big Bang. I think you mean 3000 Kelvin. The equilibrium equation by Saha describes this for the early universe. Best wishes, Matthias. Well, I felt rather embarrassed when I first read this message, in part because this seems like a very obvious mistake to me, and in part because I did not recall ever talking about the cosmic microwave background radiation, that's the afterglow that was produced after the Big Bang, in any of my recent episodes. However, I also found it a little strange that Matthias referred to, quote, last Tuesday's episode, unquote. I usually release my episodes on Mondays. I eventually figured out that this feedback was sent to me by accident. One of my podcast episodes had been featured on the 365 Days of Astronomy podcast on April 28th, and Matthias was referring to an error in the April 26th episode of that podcast series, which was actually produced by Steve Nurlich at the Cheap Astronomy podcast. I contacted Steve, and this is what he had to say. Hi George, Steve Nurlich from Cheap Astronomy here. 
I understand you had some feedback from Matthias about a mistake in your podcast that was actually a mistake in my podcast. Here's what I said. The universe's temperature dropped below 300,000 Kelvin. And here's what I should have said. The universe's temperature dropped below 3,000 Kelvin. I don't know why all the fuss I was only out by three orders of magnitude. But anyway, I did get it fixed. This was all about my April 26, 2022 episode on Cosmic Horizons, if you want to check it out. Thanks, George. Thanks for that, Steve. I hope that clears up things for Matthias. If you would like to write in with feedback on my podcast or on any other astronomy podcast, you can either contact me on Facebook or Twitter, or you can visit the website for my podcast at www.randomastronomicalobject.com. You can also go to the website to download episodes of the show, read information about the astronomical objects, view images of those astronomical objects, or look up additional reference information. My special guest this week was Steve Nurlich from the Cheap Astronomy Podcast at www.cheapastro.com. The audio was recorded and edited by George Bendo and Steve Nurlich. The music is Immersion by Sasha Endy at www.sasha-endy.de and the sound effects are from the Freesound Project at www.freesound.org. Thanks for listening. 